Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, we like to talk movies, video games, comic books, all the pop culture goodness that is pretty popular right now. And I've got a great episode for you today. I like to talk to, to filmmakers. And these two, I can't wait to talk to. We've got Eric Nelson and Jewel Palovec on the show. I don't even know if I've pronounced those names correctly, but uh, you may know them. Uh, they were the producers of Werner Herzog's uh, Grizzly Man. That was a documentary that came out, um, I think, 2006. Correct me if I'm wrong on that IMDb uh, sleuthing Geekscapist. But uh, in 2006, this was a documentary um, that was Warner Herzog. It, it, again, like it's been a while since I saw the movie, but he had Timothy Treadwell's tapes. And Timothy Treadwell was a bit of a, um, a naturalist and a documentarian, phenomenal photographer. And he went out and lived with the Grizzlies in Alaska to document them. And it led to his death 13 years later. He lived with them from about 1990 to 2003. And now Eric and Jewel have taken the footage that Timothy has shot, uh, that he shot over the period of 13 years, along with his diary entries and some of his photographs and put together this series that's coming out tomorrow on VOD. It's called The Diary of of the Grizzly Man the grizzly man um and we're going to talk to them here in a bit this is geekscape we're free on all podcasting platforms as well as facebook youtube and twitch we love that you're here go ahead and write a nice review for us and hit a share button share with your friends whatever you want to do because you're a part of this too geekscape is the chat room is open and let's get it started Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast, and let's get it going. We've got the Diary of the Grizzly Man producers, uh, Eric Nelson and Jewel Palovic on the show. They're waiting in the wings, uh, but I do want to remind you all to uh, share the episode. Tell your friends, hey, the chat room's open. Let's get them going. Uh, let's talk about this. Um, also, uh, want to let you know, I'm thinking about editing some video for the theme song. Uh, I've, I have so much Geekscape footage. 
uh, for the last 15 years that I think I can make a cool little video for that intro. So you're not just looking at the logo. If that's something you're interested in, um, you think I should bother with, go ahead and let me know. Uh, and then as soon as I set my sights on that, Steve Sabosley, who wrote that theme song, is like, we should get you a new theme song. So I don't know. Do you want a new theme song? Should I edit a video for that theme song? Let me know, especially if you're a, a video viewer. If you're a podcast listener, you're none the wiser. Maybe you're tired of the theme song. Want me to have a new one? Please, your opinion's important to us here on Geekscape. It always has been. Um, real quick, before I bring in uh, Eric and Jewel, uh, I want to eulogize a couple of people who've lost I mean, that we've lost. It's early 2022. I'm recording this on the 10th, and already we've lost uh, a few people. Sydney Potier, um, if y'all remember our short film that we made, uh, Chasing Fletcher Allen, we actually had Sydney Potier's um, cousin Damien Potier acting in that film with us. You may know him, Avengers fans, as Joss Whedon's Thanos. He did the mocap for Thanos in those uh, scenes that Joss Whedon did in the Avengers films, and that was Damien Potier. And it turns out his cousin was Sidney Potier, and he eulogized him very, uh, very beautifully on his Instagram. So please look for Damien's Instagram. And he, he said some really beautiful things about his relationship with Sidney and how he realized that um, that he was his cousin uh, and how it really helped his pursuit of acting. Um, that's a beautiful one. Uh, we also lost Bob Saget suddenly yesterday. And Bob Saget, uh, I, I'm not going to be the person who's like, hey, I have a Bob Saget story. The only time I ever met Bob Saget was he and I were waiting in the lobby at Fox um, maybe 15 years ago. And I was going in to meet with a, uh, Gabe Marano, who had, who, who's back at Fox now and doing really well. And Dave Madden, who his name popped up on a series I was watching the other day, but Dave Madden ran Fox television studios for a long time. And as I'm sitting there waiting nervously to, for a pitch meeting right over there in another chair is Bob Saget also nervously waiting for a pitch meeting. And, uh, I'm like, Hey, how you doing? Cause you're the only people in the lobby and you say, hi, you say, hi, uh, what's your story? Hey, what's your idea? And you kind of use the other person as maybe a warm up. Um, but I just remember him being very incredibly kind and supportive in the 15 minutes that we had a little conversation about what our projects were with our fingers crossed that maybe the big studio would have value in it. Um, but what I hear from a lot of people is, uh, it just echoes that, that he was very kind and very supportive. Um, and so, uh, rest in peace, Bob Saget. The other one that happened that is a little closer to home uh, has to do with when I first moved to Los Angeles, and um, that is Peter Bogdanovich. Now, a lot of, I don't talk about it too much on the show, but Peter Bogdanovich, if you're not aware, um, he is a director. You may know him from The Sopranos. He was an actor in The Sopranos, but Peter, uh, you know, he directed The Last Picture Show, and he started out as a writer, and he would write about Orson Welles. He was actually like the big expert on Orson Welles as a young person, somebody like late teens, early twenties. And to the point where he was the authority on Orson Welles, he got to know Orson Welles. Uh, you know, if they had a retrospective on Orson Welles, he'd be the person to do the Q and a, and he developed this relationship with Orson Welles. And after a while, you know, by the late sixties, he was directing. Um, and fast forward to 2000, late 2003, I think it was late mid it would have been fall 2003. I'm uh just moved fresh to Los Angeles and I'm a delivery person for a TV company here in the valley called Von Zernick Sertner. 
I'm delivering packages for them. I'm working in posts. So I'm delivering like beta tapes and things like that and DVDs. There was no streaming. No, hey, put the cut online and we'll watch it and give notes. No, I had to like drop stuff off at executives' houses. And Peter came in to finish a TV, TV movie on Natalie Wood. And he wanted, you know, and so I started driving him and pick him up at the hotel, drive him to his meetings, drive him to the post house, drive him to the editing sessions, the audio recording sessions, all that stuff. And uh, he never talked to me. The most Peter would tell me is to, hey, slow down, slow down. And he would sit next to me with his signature ascot and uh, he would eat almonds and apples and make phone calls. And every now and then he'd be like, could you slow down? And I'd have to slow down coming over the 405 to Mulholland and that kind of thing. And um, I just wanted him to talk to me. Uh, as somebody who was finishing up film school, you know, you still have this idea that your career is going to uh, turn on a dime when you're going to meet somebody who can open doors for you. And I thought that was Peter, right? Like, like you have this idea that your career isn't going to be the thing that you have to champion yourself and put together through a million different fights and struggles. And that ultimately you learn that you're the champion of your career in whatever field you're in and that there really isn't that person that is going to be able to just open the doors for you. That's got to be you. And, uh, and that whole week I'm sitting there thinking, I remember that this one week and I'm sitting here thinking like, Peter's going to like start talking to me. He's going to realize that, that I have some creative genius and he's going to make phone calls. And I'm going to, here's the red carpet rolling out for my film career. Nope. He didn't talk to me. He'd tell me to slow down. And he was always on his phone trying to do the, what we're doing as creatives and what I'm sure Eric and Jewel, who are going to join us on the show do, uh, you want to tell stories and you've got to constantly be pushing for those stories and championing them. And that's what Peter was doing right next to me every day that I was driving him around Los Angeles. And one day he was not on the phone. It was one moment, really. We're sitting at a stoplight on Ventura and Peter's not on the phone. Suddenly he's just sitting there waiting for the light, looking out. Ventura Boulevard. And he goes, so Jonathan, they tell me you're a director. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. I mean, by that point, I was like, I didn't, at that point, I kind of didn't like him. I thought he was rude. I thought he, he treated me like a chauffeur, not a person. And finally, he's talking to me and all that went away. I was like, oh, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, uh, I'm a director. And oh, you have a short film. I, I do. It's in festivals now. Did you write it? I, I did. I wrote the film. Oh, my God. He's going to ask to see it. He's going to love it. it it's going to open up all those doors I thought about. The red carpet's going to roll out. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Do you know who Orson Welles is? Oh, yeah. Orson Welles. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And I start talking. Oh, I, I heard that the Magnificent Ambersons would have been better than Citizen Kane if he hadn't been, you know. He was my roommate. Oh, my God. Peter Bogdanovich is going to tell me some Orson Welles story that is going to ninja Jedi mind trick my brain into being like the next stage of directing genius. And here it comes. Here it comes. I said, I, absolutely. I know who Orson Welles is. I just start. I'm so nervous. I start rolling out the Orson Welles trivia. And he goes, yeah, that's right. There was a month where he got so addicted to KFC that he would just walk around naked with a bucket. I could still smell it. What? <laughs> that, what? That was his nugget of... I, I couldn't believe that that's what 
Peter McDonald, as you just said to me. Uh, and I turned to him and he is staring out the window at a KFC on the corner. Like he's shooting, like he wants to throw a Molotov through the windows. And uh, I'm about to be like, are you effing kidding me? Like I've been driving you around and like you've been throwing almonds and like apple cores on my ground, on the ground of my car. I've been vacuuming them up every night. And that that's that's what you say to me. He, his phone rang and he picked it up and I barely talked to Peter ever again. <laughs> so um, that's really my Peter Bogdanovich story is if, if I'm going to take a positive from it, and there's lots of positives to take from it, is that, um, you know, even as somebody who had an established career, he was always championing himself and pushing himself and his work ethic was um, something that I was able to witness. And I'm grateful for that. Um, the Orson Welles story, mm, that one was tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, that's Peter, and um, rest in peace. But uh, we've got two filmmakers here waiting to join the show, so let's invite them. Uh, here is Eric Nelson, if, you, if you're ready, Eric, uh, and uh, Jewel Palavac. And I want to know, Jewel, first off, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yes, Jewel Palavac. You got it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. And what if you just told me Orson Welles' stories about eating KFC, walking around with a bucket of chicken for an entire month. <laughs> Would you like me to do that? No. <laughs> and I didn't want Peter to do it then either. Like you idolize people when you enter this industry and you idolize these people. And, you're, and then that, you know, if there's a lesson to be taken from it, it's his work ethic and the fact that he's incredibly human too. <laughs> yep. And it's also interesting. I mean, you know, at least it's kind of uh, better than slow down. Yeah, he did not like. I and it, you know what? I I don't. I'm not. I'm kind of. I'm kind of a really slow driver. I'm kind of a <laughs> safety. My, my my older brother was killed in a car accident. Like I'm really paranoid of driving sometimes. And I was I was actually kind of like shocked that he was like slow down. I was like, all right, well, so uh, how are you doing, Eric? I'm doing good. And uh, <laughs> quick before I forget, uh, keep the audio, add the video to your open. Okay. Okay. Keep the audio, add the video. Yeah, I think I should cut something together. It's just a yeah. matter of editing and finding the time to edit something but together. The song's great. I'd leave. Yeah, just keep the audio, add the video. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric. Um, Eric, uh, you you both have a pretty extensive IMDb of documentary filmmaking. Um, Eric, especially, you're still working very actively in creating some of these TV shows that we love watching. A lot of the the you've worked with National Geographic. Uh, there's a ton of documentary experience that you've got going back um, well before Grizzly Man. I mean, we're talking in, into the mid-90s. Um, is documentary always something that y'all were interested in? And talk about your partnership as well, and then we'll talk about Diary of the Grizzly Man. But how did y'all find each other? Okay, well, uh, Grizzly Man, I moved from television, started moving from television to feature documentaries with, wait for it, Grizzly Man in 2004, so I think when we did Grizzly Man. And uh, I reached out to Jewel uh, on behalf of a TV show. I thought that this would be a good television show. And Jewel was quite insistent that the material demanded more than an hour discovery special. It demanded a feature project. Mm And on a parallel track, I had met Herzog at a, a film festival, Jackson Hole Film Festival. And our office was right, my production company's office was on Ventura, not too far from where Werner lived up Laurel Canyon. So I invited him down just to avail himself of our facilities. So he was kind of in our office. And at, 
at some point the idea occurred to me to fuse Jules' desire for a feature documentary with Werner's hanging around in our office. And uh, <laughs> I got the material to Werner and he wanted to direct the documentary, which I, in fact, was going to direct whatever this project was. But when someone like Werner Herzog says, hey, I'd like to do this, resistance is futile. And the adventure began and we filmed Grizzly Man uh, Labor Day, uh, started Labor Day, September of 2004, delivered a cut to Sundance mid-October, finished the film in December and premiered it at the Sundance in January. So the whole thing came together very, very quickly. Wow. And Jewel, well, I met Jewel through this process because Jewel was, was and remains uh, uh, in Timothy's uh, posthumous partner. So anything mm -hmm. in regards to Timothy Treadwell and the estate goes through Jewel because they were partners in life and partners in death. Jewel, you can illuminate, I'm sure, more of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had been approached by many, many different facets to make a documentary, TV, um, film, all kinds of different things. And I know that, I mean, I knew of Werner Herzog. I'd seen some of his movies, some, you know, like everybody had. But when I thought about Timothy, um, God, the director's name escapes me right now, but the film is Burden of Dreams. Is it less? Less blank. Les, Les Blank, Blank which a, is the um, making of Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, that's the yeah. making of Fitzcarraldo. And but that's the story seen... of like having to pull a boat over a mountain. Exactly. And this, yeah. Exactly. Geekscape has so, looked that story up, but it was almost a mutiny on set for the most part. Am I wrong? Not necessarily a mutiny. It was just an yeah. insane thing. And Werner, yeah. you know, persisted, as they would say. Yeah. But when I, after I had seen that, I thought you know, this will give me a whole different kind of documentary that's not in the really in the eco world, but it's also something, Timothy was a huge film buff. He loved movies, he loved TV. And I think that he, I, I chose Werner because A, like Eric said, how do you say no to something like that? And also because I really felt like from the documentary I'd seen about the making of Fitzcarraldo that Verna and Timothy were kind of like kindred spirits, like never someone who's never going to give up, someone who's going to figure out a way to do something, someone who's very charismatic. I just thought, you know what, this this will give, this will be a, a movie Timothy would want to watch. Let's put it that way. And that was, um, that's how it came together. But Eric was, Eric was the mastermind between trying to put us together and getting us together and making, making it possible for us to go out and film and get, get what we did. And um, Joel, what was the process of compiling all of this footage? And, and really like, how did you meet Timothy? And because when I posted about the episode and I'm really excited to have y'all here, um, I feel like posthumously that like Timothy's death was what people remember is like, Oh, this is the guy who lived amongst grizzlies and they ate him. Like, what did you expect? And, and I, and watching these three episodes of your series, which comes out this week, Geekscape is diaries of the grizzly man. I feel really sure. like showed a lot more about Timothy in that. Uh, I almost got like a Steve Irwin vibe about him. Like he really celebrated these animals. He really loved his life. Um, he really loved being there. There's one point where he said, Hey, back in the city, I've got a nice apartment. I can ride my motorcycle, but out here is where I feel alive. And with these animals that I would die for. And 
Um, and watching three hours of Timothy's almost completely uncut tapes, like y'all, y'all did a really good job of not um, adding too much uh, to them, right? Like you, you let them speak for themselves. Yeah. Uh, I think these three hours gave me a better representation, um, a, a cleaner representation than what we were building towards in the two-hour Grizzly Man. And that is its own thing. This mm-hmm. is a correct. Really, this is a third. This is a different yes. thing. Well, Grizzly Man is really uh, the making of the Grizzly Man Diaries in some ways. It's Werner Herzog's take on what Tridwell was doing out there. And it's a film where it's a debate between Treadwell's concept of nature and Herzog's dystopian kind of nature. So it's a conversation and a making of and a biofilm. And the Grizzly Man Diaries is Timothy, the film he was trying to make to the best that we could put it together. And I'm glad it seems uh, unmediated and seems raw, but in fact, it took an awful lot of time to cull through 100, 100 hours of footage and kind of let the stories speak for themselves without any editorial intrusion, just sort of gentle, you know, gentle guidance. Uh, and they sort of exist on a parallel track. They've, they inform one another, I would say. I think Grizzly Man, you know, it's a great double bill, and, but either one would stand alone too. Yeah. And, and Jewel, was it, I mean, how did you meet Timothy first off? I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. <laughs> Oh, Timothy and I, gosh, I haven't seen Grizzly Men in so long. I think it's in there about, we worked together at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. We were together at a restaurant and we all had, it was, um, gosh, it was called Gulliver's and it was a prime rib house. And it was very, it was, it was kind of ridiculous. I mean, I was dressed as an English serving wench and he was dressed as a squire. Those were the male and female um, things. And we both had gotten in trouble. I can't remember what I, oh, I got in trouble for lighting the soup cart on fire. And he what? Got <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to. You know, it was, a, it was a restaurant where you did tableside service. So we had like a soup every night and someone had spilled some, um, I guess it's like a sterno on the tablecloth. And I was, you know, doing using a lot of bravado to make it everyone's best experience eating soup. And I accidentally lit the cart on fire because there was sterno on the cart. So I, I lit the cart on fire. So they, they thought maybe I did it on purpose. And then Timmy was kind of like in the hall monitor, you know, in the principal's office too for walking funny in the dining room, a la Monty Python, you know, when it's, when it's slow, what is it? The ministry of silly walks. Sure. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, that was that. And then we, we just developed a friendship from there. We dated for a while. We lived together for a while. And then um, when we broke up and realized, you know, we weren't like meant to be that way, uh, we started a little bit of a nonprofit uh, called Grizzly People. And we got, um, Timothy started, you know, he had he had drank a lot when I knew him and I first met him. And then he kind of had an epiphany on one of his first road trips up and uh, going up to Alaska. And he decided he wasn't going to drink anymore. And he really, really every year, his, um, his things got longer, like his missions got longer. Like he would be able to take enough time off to go for a couple of weeks. And then he would, you know, take a bunch of photos. And then he met somebody who had a connection at Minolta and Minolta started giving us, lending us for the season, better and better equipment. So he was able to start taking, and it sort of just, 
it took off from there. You know, it started as as two friends and it ended as two awesome friends. Yeah. And his photography is something that I also don't recall in Grizzly Man as being celebrated to the extent that y'all do. And if if I have anything I would love to have seen more in the Grizzly uh, in Diaries of the Grizzly Man, it's these photos are phenomenal. And his, defi- yes, his photography, which we didn't really tap into in Grizzly Man, um, is this was a real showcase for that because it, it was a better, obviously 35 millimeter, we were able to show it in high resolution. So the image is just ravishing. And you have to get that close to take these pictures without a telephoto lens. It's, it's not anything you've ever seen before. Yeah, these were without a telephoto lens. And when you watch the uh, Diaries of the Grizzly Man Geekscape, just realize that uh, these relationships that he had built with, I mean, the foxes in, in these three episodes are really co-stars. And they're they're like his supporting cast through a, a, at least the first two episodes quite a bit. Um, and it took him a while to, to develop a relationship to where at one point, one of them seems to come to him for help when especially when the wolves appear uh and i don't want to spoil too much geekscape as you'll have to watch these episodes but when you know these are wild animals that are living amongst other wild animals and timothy and being human and being there uh is one of the he almost enters as a bit of an alpha animal as well um or at least that's how they view him and there's a point where the foxes are waiting for him on a riverbank or they come to him for help when another predator enters their uh, their habitat, and he looked at them as family. Uh, Jewel, as, as you started to see how uh, your company was progressing, and as each summer, Timothy was continuing to go, be out there for their like, longer and longer periods. Um, where were you on that journey? Um, I was kind of in the background. I mean, what if, when we first started, we had. I mean, like fax machines were kind of new technology, you know, so I was kind of in the sort of in the background, just making sure that all, you know, that he had everything that he needed. For educational purposes or to try educational purposes and to be able to gather his stuff. I mean, he, he had a bug in his lens once and like a physical bug. So I, you know, called Minolta and they schooled me on, you know, well, there's, there's no bugs in our lenses. They're tied, they're state of the art and everything else. I know there's actually bugs in there. (laughs) you know like real bugs so you know and I you know if something would happen he'd need supplies dropped to him and uh or or he'd need you know there would be letters of support that would be written you know when he would did work I mean Grizzly Man had some hardcore stuff with the park service but for most of his time he really did have a great relationship with them but I was like I said kind of behind the scenes we finally ended up getting a satellite phone so that made life a little more easy and I you know, it was kind of at first I thought, wow, you know, it'd be kind of fun to go and see this. But even though I knew exactly what to do in theory around a big animal like that, I never really trusted myself, you know, not to turn and run. And, sure. so, you know, when we filmed Grizzly Man, I realized, OK, I didn't turn and run. I was good. But, you know, I mean, he would send me miniature, you know, like uh, audio tapes, little um, little cassette tapes. And he'd be like, you know, I've been wet for three weeks. My side of my face is swollen up because of some kind of spider bit me. The flies are terrible. And, you know, I, I love a good wilderness adventure, but I sure do like that hotel at the end of the day. So, <laughs> so I, I stayed in the background happily. 
and 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 that's where you are physically as his friend and as his co as his you know as the person who's working with him to get these educational materials out and really your purpose was education about the wildlife uh there's a big anti-poaching message in parts of these episodes mm -hmm. uh there's a preservation naturalism uh, aspect to all this as his friend watching him go out there for longer and longer periods of time where were you on that journey where were you in in at any point were you saying okay like timothy i think we got what we needed and maybe let's let's press the pavement a little bit more with all the materials and see what we can do through the bureaucracy of uh of, of you know preservation and the you know the park service uh on this end you know i think you know we started reaching more and more children and people every year but i think um it's not that that he he was very well aware of the fact that, you know, he was in a dangerous spot. And he also, although the man never wanted to admit it, you know, everybody's getting older and how long can you really be out there? You know, how long can you really be able to get all of the footage? So I think that, you know, he, he definitely wanted to keep going and going with as much as he could and stockpile as much as he could. And also, you know, like I mentioned that he had been, he had been a, an alcoholic and he had drank a lot and had trouble and good or bad. He was an adrenaline junkie at the end of the day. And this really fueled, I, it, it fueled maybe if you want to call them demons, if you want to call them, you know, addiction, he became a little bit addicted to his life among the bears and thought that, you know, he could definitely end up doing more good with the more footage and the more photos that he that he garnered. Mm -hmm. And Eric, wouldn't you, ha I mean, how do you even begin to take 13 years of material with, I mean, maybe with Jules guidance and I, I don't know what the process was of cataloging each of the, it's uh, all this stuff every winter, every year. Um, but uh, what's the process of putting this together and forming a different narrative than Grizzly Man? Cause Grizzly Man, it has had such an impact. Like, you're now doing this without Werner and you're making it kind of as producers, your film or your series trying to echo what Timothy would do as a director, uh, working with multiple ghosts, the ghost of the grizzly man film, the ghost of Timothy, uh, as a, as a storyteller, how do you to go about putting together these three episodes? Cause it would seem like those are, uh, those will always be, would always be present. No. Well, Grizzly Man was a very collaborative process. So what informed Grizzly Man also informed the Grizzly Man diaries. And Werner was very clear when we started Grizzly Man, he didn't care for beautiful nature. He did not want to see nature or cute animal stories. He wanted to see Treadwell. He wanted to see Treadwell, you know, in extremis, if you will. So when we logged the material for Grizzly Man, we gave Werner out of the hundred hours or so, uh, we had a team of people going through the footage who boiled down the 100 hours to about 10 hours of material that emphasized more Treadwell's journey and Treadwell being Treadwell. Man versus so, nature. Man versus nature. Yeah. But I, so, and that became Grizzly Man and everyone was completely on board with that. And then, but always in the back of our mind, we knew there was all these other stories that were incredible that we had flagged that weren't in the film. So we did, um, a, a few years after Grizzly Man, we did, we call it a rough cut of this 
program for Animal Planet, where we went and did a eight, eight half hour, seven half hour series that came and went in a nanosecond. That's that incorporated diaries, right? The Grizzly Man right. Diaries that incorporated a lot of the same footage, and then that went out in two thousand eight. And always in the back of my mind, I wanted to put it in its true form, which was either theatrical or you know a longer form. And what kind of motivated this latest project was uh, my work. I did. I've done a couple of uh, films revolving on restored footage. A documentary called The Cold Blue that took William Wyler's Memphis Bell footage from World War II and restored it to widescreen and created a new film out of it. And I finished and a film recently. Out. Yes, a couple of years ago. And then even wow. more recently, I did a film called Apocalypse 45, which did a restoration, massive restoration on war footage shot during the Pacific War. But in the process of doing that, we invested heavily in restoration equipment, uh, not unlike the, the restoration equivalent that Peter Jackson just used in The Beatles which took 16 millimeter three by four footage, cleaned it up and brought it to widescreen. And those so gauges we, were, we've talked about them on the show, Geeks gave us, because I think y'all saw me take a bunch of 16 millimeter and, and put it to digital in the last six, seven years. Those gauges were all disappearing from Los Angeles. Like nobody was doing film anymore. So they didn't need film gauges to scan stuff into digital. But and, what we did is we took, we yeah. took the footage, the, the yeah. three by four footage and brought it and restored it, made it, uh, made Treadwell's material look ex uh, exquisite on the big screen. Yeah. And that's that. So, and that plus the restored, you know, you don't have to do much with 35 millimeter pristine photography to go directly from the raw, you know, from that to 4k, you're going to have a real great scenic property. So it, it, it's a convoluted way of saying is, you know, that what Grizzly Man told the story it needed to tell and the Grizzly Man, this new project tells the story it needs to tell. And I say it's again on a parallel track. It's there's not I don't think there's a single repeated shot in uh, the three hours mm -hmm. of the diary of the Grizzly Man to Grizzly Man, not one. So everything. And that's how vast the archive is. But I would say, Jill, you probably would agree with me. We use the good stuff. You know, it's yeah. not like there's another there's we would have made this four hours, but we did not again, unlike what Jackson just did through and get back. There's 50 hours of footage. Rest assured, Jackson did the eight hour cut. You know, he knows what was good and the stuff that isn't in get back is probably not worth seeing. So, mm. and it's the, the, the answer of how do you do that? You just do it. You know, it, the, the film presents itself and you tell the stories you need to tell. Writing the, the cards, you know, writing the transitional things, that's almost the toughest part because you know, it's D.W. Griffith time. You want to do title cards that are very informative, but very brief and don't interrupt the flow of the story. So ironically, that takes a, a lot of a lot, a lot of time and precision effort, if you will. You didn't want to impose yourself on Timothy's movie. No. Yeah. And yeah. and and what makes Grizzly Man the feature work so well is that the the film revolves around Werner's imposition. There would not be a Grizzly Man without Werner's presence and narrative drive and point of view and that's as may be but we felt and Werner felt too Ted Crowdwell and he says it in Grizzly Man Werner recognized a great filmmaker in Timothy Treadwell and he says so in the film he may have had disagreements about Treadwell's perceptions of nature but he never ever didn't acknowledge Treadwell's prowess as a filmmaker 
So in a strange way, again, Grizzly Man sort of sets up Diary of the Grizzly Man very well. Thank you, Werner. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and his and his filmmaking's really pretty good in this uh, Geekscape. We've talked about his photography. And his, the photography is beautiful. And I don't know if that's something, Jewel, that, that would be pursued in the future is a book or any kind of uh, show or anything. It's our subject on the book. Oh, I'm yeah, really Werner, sorry about that. I'm really Werner's, sorry about that. Werner's uh, brilliant uh, uh, wife, Lena Herzog, who's a fantastic photographer, she collaborated with us in 2010 on a Tashin-like coffee table book of all of Treadwell's photography. And we just could not get a publisher interested. It was a magnificent what? book. Nope, could not get anyone interested. It was we tried. kind of that transition from, I think, you know, it, it was awesome, but it wasn't the time for a coffee table book. They were starting to fall a little bit. At least that's what they told us, kind of out of popularity. Yeah, and believe me, I'm pretty good at getting things going. And even with the with the with the uh, backspin from Grizzly Man and its reputation and its uh, ubiquity in the uh, world, I could not get the book done. But I will say that a lot of the energy and the selection of Treadwell stills that went into that book, the very very best stills in that book are now in the uh, Diary of the Grizzly Man. So it, it just seems like. Geekscape is we're here in 2022 and we're watching the Grizzly Man, uh, the Diaries of the Grizzly Man. And I, uh, the whole time I'm watching this, I said, if this guy had had a Snapchat, a TikTok, an Instagram, yes. like we're talking three million followers, like this guy oh, has yeah, access see, to these animals and has an eye for these animals for this videography and photography to just be on another level. Like how does this guy not have 10 million followers if he's, if this is 2020? Well, but I would say, Jill, wouldn't you agree if Timothy were going alive and unmediated, the park would have kicked him out in about 10 minutes. <laughs> True. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's definitely a thing he had to just be, but you know, I mean, I do have it. I, I have a little photo store on Etsy, which of course was needing a little bit of rejiggering since it had been on hold for a little bit. So I could, it's Treadwell Photos on Etsy, but right now it doesn't have a lot on it. But I mean, I'm ready. I've, I've a few times had uh, somebody that was super interested or, you know, was going to do some funding or open some doors and it just really never happened. And I, I'm hoping that it does. I, I know that um, I think sort of too, when we were starting to do it, the everyone's phones were getting really good and before you know a lot of people could start taking their own stuff you know not that they were up there with treadwell but i think that that's part of what i think happened as well is that people were more interested in the things that they could get at the actual exact time so maybe mm -hmm. it is time for a bit of a resurgence on something like that well i think i think conservancy is something that's going to start really coming into the conversation as our world continues yes. to to a road well, and, there's, and I think people are going to start talking about how do we conserve this? Cause we're running out of land here and we're running out of the ability to share spaces. Yeah. I, well, I, I have a friend named Beth who was part of this um, land bridge project in Agora Hills. It's a, it's a oh, multi-million yeah. dollar project to put a, an overpass over the one one right, freeway for the wildlife, yes. for the wildlife to cover. And, and I met her when she was speaking about, P22, which is a mountain lion that lives here in Griffith Park, and he's one of my running buddies. But and I just seen in Brentwood, by the way. 
22 is just spotted uh, on a, a security cam in Brentwood. He's uh, alive and uh, in people's backyards as we speak. I think they see they people watch this stuff and the instant judgment of Timothy Treadwell is, oh, he's crazy for being out there. Or who would in the right mind be out there doing this? I think we're going to see ourselves, if you're listening to this or watching, I think we're going to start seeing ourselves being forced to cohabitate with nature or we're going to lose it. And when that yes. block starts falling out, we're next, right? Like when that starts, when that scale tips, we're the next thing that tips. And well, so I think we've got to find some fluidity here. And Well, there's, a, there's an interesting parallel between uh, Grizzly Man and Diary and Cave of Forgotten Dreams, which was a film I produced a few years after uh, Grizzly Man. And we got access to the Chevet Caves. The, pristine caves that no one is allowed in in France. And Werner filmed it in 3D and covered it and did his own film. And the thing about that, I've just taken all of that footage and reconverted it and made it look even better, all the raw footage inside the cave. No one's ever going to get back to get that access again, ever. Mm -hmm. And I've backed it up and preserved it. And in much the same way, no one is ever going to come that close to bears again, and in, in certainly yeah. in Katmai Forest, with that equipment, in that environment, with that kind of personality of Timothy Treadwell and that dedication. So the material he got is, we may go back to the moon again, and uh, if Elon Musk gets on the case, we probably will, but I don't think you're gonna get footage like that or still photo photography like that of those animals ever again which again was a, one of our imperatives to do this project was to get a showcase for it. So it all, it's all there. You can go to Apple starting tomorrow. You can go to Amazon prime and watch it and see it and live in it and immerse yourself in it. And it's always going to be there and it's as good as we can make it quality wise. And I felt personally that we owed it to Treadwell. He gave his life to capture this material and it needed to be preserved and upgraded and put in a showcase. It really was, you, you probably know this, um, you know, there's not a lot of money in anything these days, <laughs> um, but um, it's important to have it out there and good work will find its way. And I felt we owed, Jewel and I both profited in a lot of ways, you know, from Grizzly Man, but we felt this was left on the table and this was what uh, Timothy and his work deserved. And as you say, is a message for conservation. It, 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 it's a, it makes a, without us saying a statement, author's message, blink, 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 this is the point of this. I think anyone gets the point across about the, 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 the uniqueness and the sublime nature of what Treadwell was encountering up there. And they're still up there, God forbid, global warming uh, permitting and, any Sarah Palin inspired pipeline uh, plans go hunting from helicopters like this. I mean, there's some psycho oh, yeah, stuff. That's pretty gross. It's on another level of grossness. And you do see some of that geeks gave us in this series. You'll see Timothy uh, witness the encroachment of nature uh, or of man on the, on this yeah. habitat. You actually see him come across um, a possible poachers campground where, I mean, you know, after they'd exited it and, uh, and you can tell that this breaks his heart. Um, you know, uh, this goes back to the very beginning of, of documentary filmmaking. I mean, this is Nanook of the North, the preservation of the, right. the disappearance of the natural world. Uh, except 
unlike Nanooka the North, like Timothy's no not staging. We, we didn't he's not staging yeah, we anything. Did, we didn't. No, no reenactments here. No half igloos. No. no wait for me to get on the other side of the hill for you to come back on the other side. Like there's no staging here. No, there isn't. And, and if there was any staging or there was any artifice, that's what was in Grizzly Man. And there wasn't. But had there been, we would have. Because again, Grizzly Man's the making of. You know how yes. careful he was for his camera placement. He would do multiple takes. You know, Grizzly Man showed all of that making of process and it vouches for Timothy's uh, integrity. You know, he and may have is, done multiple takes of his, quote, stand-ups, but he didn't sure. fake, you know, when the camera is right up the muzzle of a bear, that is not a reenactment. Yeah. And there's one wonderful part where he's trying to get the a, a, um, a fox to behave so that he can get the take. And that's amusing. Uh, there's a there's there's one part where um, where he actually is being harassed by part of the wildlife and i find it hilarious and amusing because oh like uh, the weasels and the stuff? weasel scene yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't want to i don't want to spoil too much for the geeks game because there are some really great narratives there there's a there's a, a beautiful narrative about a mother bear in episode two i believe a mother bear and her three cubs and just i mean when when timothy says that 60 percent of these animals these these grizzlies don't make it past the second year yep. third year you i mean and that's just in nature when you just exactly. see it, when one of these animals get injured yeah. the alpha animals come out and they see that animal as a as a as a source of protein now yep. even though it's you know even though you're it's um, it's cannibalism a bear eating another bear if that bear is injured and you need sustenance to get you through the winter you're going to pounce on that thing and yeah. watching some of these relationships summer in summer out of these bears and how they grow uh, is kind of something that we got in this diary of the grizzly man that we don't get in Herzog's in her, in, in, I also feel like in grizzly man, Timothy shares billing a co-star billing with Warner. It, it's yes. It's, 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 it's about said, what it's, Warner's obsessed with. It's a conversation. It's a, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a dialogue between the two of them, two filmmakers with two, opposing or um, not necessarily opposing, very different views of nature in a, in a conversation back and forth. And that was very deliberately part of the structure of Grizzly Man. And that's what gives the film its power and its uniqueness because, you know, and only Werner could have pulled that off. Did, did... In the Grizzly Man diaries, we also, you know, we had the advantage of you know he was very meticulous i mean all of his journals were dated everything was handwritten and eric's team for grizzly man had done a lot of of extra archiving for that and the same with the film so i could literally we could literally read about something and then find the footage and then go oh wait and go back and find exactly what you know because he would review footage at the end of you know after a day or a couple days and then he would he would write about it and then he would review it so there was definitely like a script that as you know that he completely wrote and you and Jill you remind me that's how you you had asked earlier how we had put it together or why we made some of the editorial decisions because his diaries described it and Warren Queenie who appears in Grizzly Man is a character witness if you will for Timothy uh, we had him he read did a wonderful job reading Timothy's diaries. And That's who you're hearing his, here in the, in the yeah, diaries. Yeah, Warren Queenie. Yes, Warren Queenie okay. is a, not just a narrator. He's an actor and a friend of Timothy. And we wanted to keep this very much in the family. So 
it's if you notice the credit roll is very very small very short. you know yeah which yeah. which is kind of the case for all of my films actually i'm not a big uh we, we we're a family enterprise here but in this case though it adds if not authenticity it's the right thing to do and in the back of my mind with both grizzly man and this new project was always what would timothy think you know are we doing his work justice and when it came time to do the credits Unlike Peter Jackson, who took sole credit for uh, Get Back, even though it was completely shot by Michael Lindsay Hogg, everything was shot. And in essence, Jackson put, it, put a new cut together from his footage. We felt it Im to, important to give Treadwell the sole directing credit. It's his footage. It would be wrong for us or me or anyone connected to say we directed this. We did not. Timothy did. He put it together. We may have made the choices in the edit room, but that's very different from being a director. Do you think social media has entered that uh, language or that that authorship into the discourse in that you start to see, um, uh, you know, even coming from vloggers uh, or podcasters, things like that, where it's like, oh, we're, we're looking for that, that more focused voice we had the val kilmer documentary where his son is doing the diary readings for his father right. um who is now speaking through like a vocator box and if you haven't seen the mm -hmm. val kilmer documentary it's, it's really beautiful no but it's good it's, it's i good. think to see uh, it. In, in it you know and on the other side of that coin is our social media creating documentarians but at the same time creating a detachment. We're not doing this show in person. We're doing it over the Zoom or the the Streamyard here. Is it creating a, a want for more personal voices, connection, uh, authenticity? Story stories will out. I don't think there's any trend. You know, uh, okay. Val Kilmer had a. There's three things that when I briefly worked as an executive, uh, over, not making films but buying films, there were three criteria that I would always say we need subject access filmmaker. So a subject that's compelling, access to the subject, and a filmmaker can put it together. And if you apply that filter to a lot of films, like let's start with Grizzly Man, subject, unbelievable, ravishing, wild nature, access, I'm going to spend 13 years there, and filmmaker Werner Herzog. It's not too hard to, uh, the, the success of Grizzly Man is not that unexplainable. So if you apply that filter to anything, you know, any form, whether it's on a, it's shot on an iPhone or it's found on a YouTube channel or it's found in a movie theater, I think th the same, the same truths apply. You know, it may reach different audiences and get capture attention more in a different delivery system. But I think the actual physical product is still dictated to by those three filters. At least in the documentary world, uh, it's a, I think it's a really strong filter to have uh, when you're thinking about should I post this, <laughs> which I don't know if well, enough of us do. Well, this. in social media, yeah, it's, it's no, don't. Real simple, <laughs> don't. And, uh, and Joel, talking about Werner Herzog and and his um, the relationship he developed through footage of, of Timothy in Grizzly Man in Geekscapes, you know Werner Herzog, he was in The Mandalorian. Right, yeah. An action figure of him now. You can buy uh, a Werner Herzog soon. action figure. Yeah. Um, do you think that it dominated the discourse posthumously of Timothy, the, the, the fact that um, in Grizzly Man, Werner was able to 
to have this discourse with Timothy and then um, that people adopted Werner's approach to what Timothy was doing versus Timothy's approach to what Timothy was doing. Because I feel like the diary of the grizzly man gives me Timothy's approach to what Timothy was doing. And in many ways celebrates his life, even when he's aware multiple times during the series that this might be what, what brings about its end. He is celebrating life. He is celebrating this place. He is celebrating what he's doing and he's loving it. And he's acknowledging this might be what what kills me. Um, do you think a lot of us have judged Timothy in the wake of Grizzly Man? Oh, absolutely. And even before Grizzly Man, you know, when he was, you know, uh, people would either there was there was really no middle ground. It was either like, oh, my God, he was like a saint and an animal whisperer and this and that. Or he was a complete idiot. And, you know, he was neither. That's that's why I'm so or, proud. Or both. Or both. Yeah, well, perhaps <laughs> he was both. But what it what always reminds me of is, like you said, this this is Timothy's movie, The Diaries, and it, it's it's his day to day life out there, and it's still really interesting. Whereas I think, I mean, I'm very proud of Grizzly Man. It's a it's a great film. I think Timmy would have really liked it. You know, even some of the the hardcore things, I think he really would have appreciated it. But Grizzly Man is, to me, more like a, like a photo, like an old school photo album where you have like, oh, here's your graduation. Look at Halloween. This is when so-and-so was born. You have all these big milestones. And, you know, uh, some of the things, you know, they were, you know, like I said, cherry picked to maybe to maybe give him a he had a pretty big personality, but to portray it as if it was constantly like that. And, you know, it, it wasn't, um, everybody has days like that. I mean, like maybe, you know, when he's screaming at the thing about the film, the park service, maybe there's a lot of people that have had like flip outs like that, but they didn't turn a camera on themselves, you know, and it, and it never became public. So I think that he's a more relatable person and actually in the Grizzly Man Diaries, because I think it, you see more of what his life was like day to day rather than, oh, well, you know, today I almost fell down a mountain or today I'm screaming at the park service or, oh, my God, I almost touched Letterman, you know, that mm. that's is that what you're what you mean? I, I think. Yeah, that, no, I, I feel like when I when I posted the, that y'all were going to be on the show uh, last week, I felt like I got an unfair feedback of who Timothy was. Um, oh, yeah. I felt like people were like, oh, that guy was an idiot. He got himself turned into sashimi or something. And oh, I'm just sure. sitting here being like, hey, A, that, that's a human being you're talking about. And B, did the Herzog film do enough of a job to justify why he was living this life? I think it did. What he was I sacrificing. It, I do too. I think but it I think, did. I think and there I, was you know, such a it, focus. As you watch that film, it feels like such a slow burn at points where you're just like, hey, am I just watching this like a Faces of Death where I'm just like, hey, let's just watch this dude die. And it was such a acute focus. But on it's that. all the com it's all the complexities of that that make Grizzly Man the film it is. It's, you know, mm. it's having Werner's perspective. It's the Treadwell in full flower, you know, his rants in the beach and his kind of, you know, all the weird stuff. It's the gorgeous footage that was in Grizzly Man. You know, the whole thing hangs together. And let's not forget Richard Thompson's score, uh, the, the the great musical score to uh, Grizzly Man. And Richard scored Diary of the Grizzly Man. That's the other kind of connective thing 
um, that we that did the same score. So that's the other other DNA in this new project that it shares with Grizzly Man. But if you go to you know uh, go to Grizzly Man on Amazon and read the three thousand comments, and it's the same thing, the same debate, and a lot of it is just basic internet meanness. You know, there's a meanness in the world, as Bruce Springsteen wrote about in Nebraska. Um, and that's always going to opt. And when someone makes a stand like Timothy Treadwell did, obviously people are going to have a strong reaction to it politically too, you know? So it's all part of the discussion. And I think I'll share with Jewel the fact, I think Grizzly Man, Diary of the Grizzly Man, the new project is in, you know, goes in parallel and balances Grizzly Man. And then Grizzly Man balances the new project. They exist in their own universe together and if someone watches all of it and absorbs it, then we can have, uh, as Harlan Ellison, I did a film with Harlan Ellison, always said, you're not entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to your informed opinion. And to have an informed opinion about Timothy Treadwell and his work, you need to watch both projects and, and really kind of take a moment to think about it. Hmm. Uh, well, here at Geekscape, as you know, that our motto is don't hate create um any of that energy that you're going to put towards writing that scathing thing on the internet and you know i've been guilty of it you've seen it on the show you know i've been a jerk sometimes um that's energy that you can always point towards making something like timothy did or yes. like jewel did or eric did and i hope and i aspire to continue to do those things for y'all um in the spirit of what timothy is doing jewel and uh eric it, does his work beyond the films, does his work still uh, exist in any organizational form? Is there, are, we, are we still able to use this footage to educate kids? Is there a foundation? Is there anything that uh, we can point the Geekscapists towards and say, well, hey, this is, where, this is a resource still? We have um, Grizzly People is still a viable organization. We still have 501 C3, C3 status. However, we really do need to, we're, we're starting now to try and develop things for the, the modern student, you know, and, and realize that there's, there's not a lot of, even the in-person learning now, there's not a lot of money out there anymore for field trips. There's not a lot of money for art. So really we have to, we have to change as an organization and, and put together something that's a little bit more viable for these for this generation. And, you know, to your point, what you were talking about with the, the bridge that's going over the, the freeway, Timmy's, um, Timmy's biggest message to, to students was you are, th- these are public lands. You, you, they are yours in essence, and you can learn to be a, a good steward of your planet. So right now we're really trying to, you know, to figure out in this scope of, of life where there's so many humans that are hurting and so many people that have to reorganize how to best reorganize people, you know, young, younger people's minds towards conservation and towards learning, learning online. And I know Eric's uh, footage, it, it's, it's so fortunate that he was able to redo everything because it really looks great. I mean, it was filmed with such a what was it? A Sony DCR VX 1000 was like the first three chip consumer camera. Mm-hmm. So I think now with stuff like that in hand and maybe a little more, you know, for a new generation, bringing Treadwell to the forefront, I think that Grizzly people in the next few years will be able to move on in a really positive direction. Well, let us know here at Geekscape where we can yeah. point the eyeballs, where we can point the reading um, and, and keep pushing that forward. Cause like I said earlier, Geekscape is, this is something that, 
as we go into the next 15 years of Geekscape, I think that the conservation effort, um, I just spent the last weekend on Catalina Island do, uh, doing a, a race to benefit a the conservation out there in Avalon. Um, this is something that we're all going to be really dealing with uh, in an immediate, if, you, if you're looking at things like Katrina and the, these different shifting weather patterns yep. based on on the, the global warming, we're really going to have to start fighting this fight, people. Um, well, as, as the great filmmaker Ed Wood said, God help us in the future where you and I will spend the rest of our lives. <laughs> well, Eric, uh, Eric, I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to the John Ford uh, project that you're working on. Um, is it out? The, the yeah, it's on Discovery Pearl? Plus. Uh, and uh, uh, no, uh, I, was, I was talking about Ford at Pearl, the one where... Uh, Ford at uh, Pearl. He, Ford at Pearl. That's Ford what I'm Pearl looking forward to. Ford at Pearl is on Discovery Plus along with... Uh, awesome. uh, Terran Glory 1945 is the, the title of uh, Terran Glory 1945 on Discovery Plus, and The Cold Blue is on HBO Max, so you can see that there. And obviously, most importantly for our, our purposes today, Diary of the Grizzly Man will, is out or will be out by the time everyone catches up with us, and you can get it very easily, iTunes, Amazon, um, it's just go grab it, rent it, download it, but my only recommendation, put it on the biggest screen you can. Uh, in the dark with a sound up, you know, it really requires that kind of immersion. I think. And pair it with Grizzly Man. Um, yeah, like sure. Eric said, get both sides of this conversation. Get the whole view. Absolutely. Of it. Get the informed conversation. Uh, we love celebrating documentaries here on Geeks Gabus. We had our friend Nick Scown, who just did the, the comedy after nine eleven documentary on, and y'all know that we produced Doc of the Dead and other documentaries here at Geekscape. We put documentary pieces up on our YouTube channel. So this is something that we really believe in. So thank you both for being a part of it. A um, pleasure. Eric and, and Jewel, I had so much fun having y'all. And Geekscape, if you have any questions, anything, send me an email, Jonathan at Geekscape.net. You can find us anywhere you can find Geekscape but on the socials. Just search for Geekscape, you'll find us. And please share us with our friends. Uh, with, with Well, if they're our friends, they already know about us. But share yeah. us with your friends um because we'd like to put a little positivity and creation out there uh any last words uh where they can find more work no i'm jewel i just think uh grizzly people you just find it on the find it on the web uh everyone knows where hbo max is discovery plus apple is ubiquitous and it's called diary of the grizzly man enjoy thank you both so much for being my guest and uh geekscapers we'll see y'all next week thank you uh don't hate create you're listening to the Geekscape Network.